Hello and welcome to Super Rugby Round 14 Review brought to you by Driving Mall. Hi, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall, but I am not the guy who is going to look after you tonight. The guy who's going to look after you tonight is Steve from Cornflakes. Crib, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very, very well, Paul. Thanks for having me yet again on the uh, review show. But before we get started, there's this one little point that I wanted to try and clip it to play it for you. But, um, what happened this week here, Paul? We, we, you did the review on my channel last uh, last week, whatever no, day it was. I did, a, and I, did, I did a preview on your channel last a week. A preview, sorry, preview of, on the channel. And your passing words at the end were, don't you think Super Rugby's now getting a bit predictable? What happened? What happened? I don't know. I've not paid attention because it's so predictable I didn't bother oh. watching. Oh, well, there you go. So well, let's, gonna, let's hear, it, let, hear let's it from you and we'll, we'll see it how, how it all pans out, shall we? Full of the holes. I, I'm going to clip that and I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to clip those words. Is Super Rugby's getting predictable this week? We'll see how it goes. It all well, kicked off. We yes. kicked off with, with, with Hurricanes versus the... Um, gone blank. Jaguars. Jaguars. So clearly that was a Hurricanes win. So take us through it. How, how, how did they win? <laughs> well, I mean, the big starting point of this match, or the big the controversial <laughs> point start this match off was the, the amazing colours of the two teams kits orange and yellow it looked fantastic it was a great well done to everyone involved in organising that um, no one had any idea what the hell was going on there was players running around with the same colour kits all over the place amazing you don't think yellow and orange really clashed that much but they did horrifically um, on Friday night but alas on with the actual game what happened with the actual rugby the Hurricanes did get off to a great start and they only took nearly seconds to get onto the scoreboard Judy Barrett breaking through the line Great support everywhere around them. Via Fafita completing a great start. And everyone went, oh, yep, we're back. Super Rugby, this is predictable. The Hurricanes are going to run away with this. Not what happened at all. The Haguaris did very well, and they worked their way back, not only into the game, but into a dangerous position, putting a little grubber kicks, which Geordie Barrett did his best Sonny Bill Williams impression of slapping the ball dead. Now, we all know what was going to happen here. The referees and the TMO and the assistant referees all had to have a, a little conference meeting with each other to decide what they're going to do. He got his yellow card, off he went, and it was a penalty try to the Haguaras. Seven points in the bank. Thanks for coming. They didn't take too well to that 10 minutes, though, with the man in the bin, the Haguaras. They didn't take anything from it at all. And it wasn't until Geordie Barrett returned, just the phase after he returned, they set up them all 20 metres out and then they twisted, they turned, they broke and they regathered and they went all the way to the line to extend out their lead. Augustine Cleavy, the original man, the scorer for the Haguaras. Then just before halftime, a butchered Hurricanes line out gives a chance for the Haguaras to add even more points. Del Fuente charging through a hole and carries defenders over with them to give the Haguaras a great little lead at the break, 21 points to eight. And all the Wellingtonians were wondering what on earth has happened. We only lose to the Crusaders, they say. Not this week. Not this week. They fought to get back into the game and the big chaps started to stand up. The guys that you look for, the Lambs, the Savias, and even the little man Amua. Strong runs into the 22 and it was finished by another big runner, La Mape. But the conversion went astray, which didn't help the Hurricanes cause. A critical time to score for the Haguaras um, seemed to put this one in the bag for them. Matoja rumbling over close by, but it was all created by Moyano setting it up, and it was 28-13. It was bad news for the Hurricanes as they desperately tried to get back in the game in the final 10 minutes, but they just couldn't break through this amazing Haguaras defence. And after a long period, the Haguaras said, yeah, well, we're ready to go home. So they let them get one over at the end. A little consolation for La Pepe. 20 points to 28. Scoreline probably... I'd say um, it inflates, I guess, the way the Hurricanes played that match. 
Yeah, I mean, the Hurricanes had like three opportunities in the first 10 minutes, made one of them. And then after that, it was um, they just made errors for the rest of the game. They really weren't uh, on song with each other. Uh, and their passes were just were, were missing players. Um, and if you're going to be putting balls on the grass or behind the player, uh, losing that momentum, then you're going to lose the game. And they just didn't... Yeah, they just didn't click after that first sort of um, five, ten minutes. Yeah, well, so it wasn't the greatest performance from the Hurricanes at all, was it really? But, I mean, you've got to give credit to, to their opponents, though. Coming coming yeah. to New Zealand, and, and while well, they did get to the Highlanders, they looked pretty good too. And then doing that to the Hurricanes has got to be impressive. Now, 2015 was the last home loss to the Canes against a non-New Zealand side. Um so, uh, so yeah, you've got to say that uh, that yeah, well done, Haguaris, for that. Also, you've also you've got to say that the Haguaris played differently um, on on Friday night. So they are last, or they were last in Super Rugby for offloads, and yet they matched the Hurricanes. From memory, it was eleven offloads each. Uh, so it was definitely it was a different style of play from the Haguaris than we've seen for them uh, during the during the definitely the early parts of Super Rugby. So. Uh, yeah, you got to say yeah, they, they 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 brought something that the Hurricanes weren't expecting. That a lot of us weren't that um, uh, that have been watching weren't expecting by changing that style. We were expecting them to be combative and good, but we weren't expecting that style out of them. And yeah, they 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 played played very well. They did indeed. A, a shock first result. I mean, it, it makes me laugh when you just look, look at this whole weekend and you say a shock result to start the weekend. But I mean, this whole weekend was just an absolute nightmare. No, no, um, that kind of was fine after this because we've got Rebels Bulls. <laughs> the Bulls can't play away from home. This is a home win all the way, isn't it? It's a home banker. Oh dear. I mean, yes. Much like we talked about in the first match, it was a good start for the for the Rebels, and then they must have thought they were home and hose as well, and they didn't clearly watch what happened in the Hurricanes game just before. Um, it was Dane Haley Peer that got off to a good start, crashing through, flicking it off to Corabetti, who started the Rebels off in fine, fine fashion, but. It's not a weekend to start off and fall asleep. The Bulls hit back very quickly. A line-out dragging defenders right to left before kicking back to where Hendricks was all alone. And he had an easy trot in to bring the scores back together again. The Bulls started to get back in their own style of game, though. Amal started in their own 22, sparked its attack down the left side. Speckman, oh, Speckman, what a player this little chap is. Keeping it alive and floating it wide to Galent and Hendricks, who straightened things up one phase later. Pollard glides through and didn't he have a fantastic game as well for the Bulls. And that gave them the lead as they headed towards the halftime break. The Rebels, though, they had one more play to go um, before the break. And they reacted well to some broken play kicking from the Bulls. And they opened up a lot of space to Maddox, who break down the left-hand side, offloads it brilliantly to Guinea, who went over on the stroke at halftime in the corner to bring the game a little bit closer um, than what we were having in the first half. It was 12 points to 17, the Bulls on the road with the lead at the break. But the Rebels got back into things in the second half. Marika Korobetti started off like the first, controlling the opening passage again, getting into a dangerous area. And the winger had a pick and go close to the line. Enough of those forwards, he said, and he brought it upon himself and tied the game all up. But that is where the excitement started off. Speckman gets a rocket of a flat ball to his wing, and he is gone. Burning down the sideline, chipping it over Haylett Petty, regathering, tossing it away to Berger Oldendale, who has open space and no one in front of him to put the lead back in place for the Bulls. And then they finished the deal. 
Brilliant scrum from the Bulls. Guinea gets nutmegged, which I think is the most brilliant thing to have happened in the whole weekend of Super Rugby. And the backs were away. Gallant fires a huge pass wide to that man, Speckman, who was waiting on the touchline. And he scoots over like he does. Opens that lead up nicely. And the, bo- the Bulls, I should say, took it away. 32-17 full-time score. Great performance from the Bulls. Another another upset. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? I'm 0 from 2 now. Jeez, this is not going well. This is not going well at all. Um, yeah, no, that pass between uh, Genia's legs was absolutely fantastic. Uh, lovely, piece of, lo- lovely piece of play. That'll be in our Mickey Mouse moments of the week end tomorrow on the Hash Rugby <laughs> Chat, definitely. Uh, great play. Um, Speckman, Speckman played some real... Um, uh, some real sevens style of, of, of rugby at times, uh, which I think uh, yeah threw off the uh, the rebels uh, and yeah, kept the ball alive in a way that we don't normally see uh, 15s players doing, uh, and, uh, and yeah he he did it very well and and, and congratulations to the bulls. Um, you say shock result, but then again. <laughs> we, if we keep if we kept saying shock result, this is going to be a very boring show. <laughs> yeah, the thing about our old Speckman is because of that sevens background, isn't it? We've seen it a bit come and go throughout the season, but he beats the one-on-one tackle. He beats the one-on-man one man defender, and he can create space through that. And he's just so quick off the mark, and you give him a little bit of that room, and, and he's gone. His acceleration is phenomenal. It is, but he's also a player that... Um... And, and just about all sevens players uh, will, will do this is they're all that they don't want to go to ground in a ruck, so they're always mm. looking um, and to get the ball away in the tackle. Now, whether you call it a pass or an offload, whatever you want to call it, um, sure, he's he's not a Sonny Bill Williams out the back of the hand, one-handed basketball thing from nowhere, but he's keeping that ball alive. He's making sure that it doesn't go dead, um, and that also did, did some people. But I'll be honest with you, the most shocking thing of the weekend. Is unbiased rugby telling me he's got six, four out of six right um, at the weekend, and it's just what? How did he get four out of six right? That's just nuts. Well, I think what's worse is the email I got from Superbrew today telling me that one guy got the grand slam point. Who? Okay, just blew that's, my that's, mind. That's out of one hundred ninety-two thousand. I mean, yes, um, one anyway, sorry. anyway, one guy. But who? Anyway, we haven't even got to that game yet. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, yeah, it's I all know good because next up... Hell. Anyway, we'll move on. We'll move on, on to the... Uh, the Blues. The Blues, right? They, they always lose to, um, to New Zealand teams. <laughs> the Chiefs are on a roll. This has got to be a Chiefs win. Tell me. Tell me, how did it go? Oh, dear me. It started off in a match that probably should have been 40 points all after about the opening 20 minutes, but it was still nil-nil between these two sides. Neither one could really get um, a good start under their way before it was a brain explosion. From Yuani fielding a kick on his own line, tried to offload it, and it gives an early Christmas present or an early birthday present, I should say, to Carpet because birthday is only three weeks away. So he was nice and cheerful to get that one on his side, and the Chiefs were the ones to get off to a good start here for uh, this this match. Finally, we have one. Some crazy NTN rugby, and we should have seen possibly at this stage an 86 to 81 scoreline by now. But the Blues only managed to grab their first points with a, a great shove acceleration after a turnover again from Plummer. Slides through near the 10 meter line into the corner. He goes, it's 5 5, and the Blues are back in the game. Heading towards the halftime break, and we should have had 1,600 tries by now. We've only had two, 
and the blue scrum. A good position from them. Akira Iwani with some quickly recycled ball. And it was Milani Nana who barrels over close by, carrying over a couple of defenders with him. Good strength. Um, question marks about the grounding of this try. I don't know if you want to talk about that, Paul. But it was given regardless. And the Blues were holding a slender lead at the break. 10 points to 8 as we head into the second half. A bit of luck going the way of the, blue, uh, the Blues as the game is on. Tuanga Farsi's try. Another one with a big question mark for me. Simeone knocking the ball out of his hands by a Chiefs player before he grounded it. The referee was happy with it. The TMO didn't really see what the hell went on at all. And um, finally, there was some more points uh, for the Blues. And they got their lead up to 10 points, so they were pretty happy about that as well. The Blues weathered a massive storm for most of the final quarter. The Chiefs really tried to pin some points on, but they're unable to really break it down. The Blues hold tough, and eventually it tails back the other way with the time ticking away, uh, kicking penalties, kicking to the corner, getting a quick flyer line-out, sees their fourth try that come from nowhere, and a bonus point for the three-try lead as well, taking the win, 23 points to eight over the Chiefs. I mean, i got a couple of things here. What a bizarre game, and errors, but expansive. It was all over the place. There was question marks on everything that seemed to happen. It was like watching the Warriors in the NRL. They just don't want to give them the try. They have to double-check everything. What a weirdo that game was. Just crazy. Uh, yeah, crazy. Um, first off, hat tip, Angus Tuavo, uh, 100 Super Rugby games. Congratulations, sir. Um, I think it's 100. Um, when I counted, it was 99. But hey, someone said it was 100. So it'll do. <laughs> um, this yeah, nuts game. I mean, both sides uh, butchered opportunities, especially early on. Uh, we we, we uh, I started up. I started off, um, uh, sort of uh, clocking up attempted, uh, off um, butchered attacking opportunities, and I just gave up as I ran out of fingers. Um, the uh, so yeah, the fact that it took sixteen minutes the first first points on the ball was crate was was nuts considering how the play was going. Both sides just screwing things up. Um, I mean, one moment we had, I think we had a we had like a five meter scrum on the uh, the the um, on the Chiefs line. Um, and then about a minute later, we had a five-meter scrum on the Blues line. It was, as Andre says, a terrible game to watch. Uh, the first mm. half was poor from both sides. So was the second half. And the Blues had like 80% of the possession in that first half and somehow only were leading by two points. Coming to the second half, where well, they only got like 40% of the possession and territory, and they win that one um, 10-0. You're like, well, this isn't right. Was it 10-0 or 13-0? I can't 13-0. 13-0. Um, I can't read my own writing. Um <laughs> this yeah, everything about this game was just was wrong, bad. Um, as was the response. I mean, yeah, the refereeing was was uh, was all over the shop. Um, people talking about Angus Gardner being a Chiefs uh, ex Chiefs player and stuff. Look, just give up on it. All right, he's been an ex Chiefs player for years as referee. Let him just let him referee. Fine. There were some really interesting calls, especially by the TMO. Um, some that, yeah, I, how he gave that Nanai try early on, I, how anyone saw grounding, I've got no idea. I'm a Blues fan. Um, how the, yeah, how, uh, the Blues got the got, got the rubber of the ball this time. Normally, they, um, uh, they they haven't in the past. These things even out. Well done, Blues. Um, you uh, you got you got a couple of nice calls this time. Um, but anybody who is suggesting that um, Nanai should be should be uh, should be fast tracked into the All Blacks squad <laughs> really 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 needs a head seeing too sorry but that's just no. no no thanks no thanks at all yeah I do agree with you I think the Blues are the better side I wouldn't argue against the result 
Uh, definitely not about that. But those calls were just, just really, really, really weird. And as, as though I like the attention that you're giving Angus Gardner, uh, I think you'll be looking to be Glenn Jackson. Oh, will be the one. Sorry, Glenn Jackson, you're right. <laughs> Former oh, Chiefs player. Uh, but regardless, um, the Blues did well enough. I mean, you can only play, as we, we see further on um, in a later match, I think it was, you've got to play to the whistle. And I mean, you, you can't fault <laughs> yes. the players, really. I mean, if they're going to give a try, who are you to argue? Uh, who are you to say yes or no or otherwise? So, I mean, you're fair play the Blues. Uh, they got they, it out there, they did enough. But then there were some that they scored. And when it goes to Tim O, the team always <laughs> retreats the halfway line. If they, Cut if, a halfway. If, yeah. if they think they've got any chance of, of, of it actually being given. Twice that didn't happen, which tells you a pretty good story that they, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't think it was scored. Uh, but it was but still, no. hey, there we go. They're sitting there on the five-meter line waiting for the line-out or the, or the scrum or something to go down. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, fair play the Blues. Um, yeah, the, the Chiefs are I, – I, what I found really uh, not funny but interesting about that post-match was watching last week's post-match um, interview with, with uh, Brad Weber for the Chiefs and how just elated and he just looked full of life and, and animated. And then this week, he just looked absolutely demoralized. Uh, uh, the guy just went, went through the whole emotions of the greatest day of his life to the worst day of his life in a space of seven days. And, and we saw in that first half why he should be in the All Black squad. I mean, he has some serious wheels. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, he should be he should be that third-choice fly half. Sorry, fly half, scrum half. Oh dear, don't go pushing me out there yet. I mean, I, I, I'm still not over Pity Weepu playing a number 10 jumper, let alone you getting another one, the number 10 jumper. Goodness thing. Let's move on. That is halfway point, though, of the show. Um, so what's happening this weekend? Well, this week, I should say, well, on the, on the Driving World Channel. What's happening? The half-time, half-time, uh, half-time report. Have, have you not got a jingle for this bit yet? I, sh- I should do, shouldn't I? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Welcome to the Halftime Report from Driving Mall. Um, so, uh, last weekend, we are in... Uh, I was in the uh, Zone Sports Bar for the Chiefs versus the Blues. I'll be there back there again for the um, for the Chiefs versus the Crusaders in two weekends' time. But this weekend, if you have a box at FMG Stadium for Friday night's last Chiefs home game, you can bring the rugby chat to your box to your guests. I'm available. I will come and give you uh, the, the the show in your corporate box. Just um, let me know. Drop me a line um, and say. Um, uh, amazing rate, you'll be surprised. So, uh, so yeah, so, so drop me a line and uh, we can do that. And then also, I'll, obviously, I'll be available for the All Blacks versus Tonga as well. So, um, seriously, if you want to have an expert in your box, then uh, drop me a line. Uh, and um, Stephen, um, so Reds versus Waratahs. Obviously, I'm working at the. This was, this was clearly going to be a home win because the Reds uh, been tracking well with Waratahs all over the place with Flowers stuff. And of course, it came to a head this weekend. So, surely off field issues meant that the Tars had no chance in this game. Well, first of all, I just wanted to say that it's just a cheap plane ticket and you get to me to any um, stadium anywhere around the world and I can come sit in your corporate box as well. So yeah, just let me know on that one too. <laughs> yes, Reds versus Waratahs. And it was uh, the Waratahs who started off early with some good early dominance and some forceful running backed up with some mighty lines from Bernard Foley who tumbles and crashes and rolls and does everything you do on the ground before he scragged his way with a couple of defenders over to get the Waratahs off to a great little start. It was the Reds, though, that struck back to the big, tall timber Blythe who bulldozed over from close range and then to kick off a big period where the Reds actually took control of this matchup. It was the key man at the moment and the really the Reds' only key man, Samu Karevi, who broke about a dozen tackles on his way through the Waratahs' offensive line and clean offload 
three to Campbell, who showed he's got some good wheels. And there's these young outside backs of the Reds are bringing through, actually do have a bit of pace about them. And Campbell showed just what he's got racing way for their second try of the matchup. The Tars fought back well, though. A jinking run from currently Beal went away from our four attempted tacklers. And then the power of the man, which you don't often see too often, as he somehow battled his way over the line to force the try with a stack of Reds players on his back. He just couldn't be stopped. And currently Beal got the Waratahs back into that matchup. Right on the stroke of halftime, though, the Reds managed to snatch the lead into the breaker. A clever little grubber. I love this try. This is probably one of my highlights of the weekend, along with the nutmeg um, earlier. But a, a little grubber kick through. And the attempt, at, it looked like he was playing in the slips in a cricket match by currently Beal. The big dive and did nothing but... Uh, parry it back into the path of the oncoming Reds player who fell over it and then offloaded beautifully to Naivalu who scoots over in the corner but just that dive from Beal was fantastic um, unfortunately he couldn't pick up the ball which is probably the main point of why he tried it half time it was and the Reds led 15 points to 14 over the Waratahs into the second half and the Reds started on fire not off the ball, they didn't need it, Foley was throwing them Gifts all over the place and an intercept snaffled um, by Hannigan. Then he found Viali Sortia, who was just run down, and the offload away to Hegarty, who finished it off quite nicely and started a good little spell for the Reds' number 10, Hegarty, as well. After that, he was definitely more in the action. Field position was proving to be vital for the two sides as the Hawaratas hit back instantly and they took it very well. Fibs with an elusive ball to Alex Newsom, who went sliding through unseen and untouched to get the Waratahs back into the game. It was Tri-City here at the moment. There was plenty more to come as well. Hegarty got his ballet dancing feet going nicely, close to the line as he bamboozled defenders all over the place. And he goes in for his second try. And what I thought was a rare sight to see, he got his kick charge down from right in front. What a clown that was. Terrible from him. Thunderous running lines for the Waratahs after currently Beal ran back some horrible clearing kicks from the Reds. A couple of faces. These guys were absolutely sparking at the defensive line, they finally broke through and a try was scored by Wells. The Reds mixed it up, cross-field kick from McGann and he found, of all people he probably wanted to find, but it was a hooker, Murphy, plodding alone out there, run a beautiful line off the touch line and he split some terrible defence in half and crossed over um, for the Reds and they had the lead back again, but test match experience is what I'm putting this down to for the Waratahs, they changed the whole way this game was going as they took over and just brought it, grinded it down to a halt, and they just penaltied their way to a victory. Three after three after three, and they took it nicely all the way to a 40-point to 32 victory when they are trailing. Penalties winning the day for the Waratahs, but um, the Reds, I've got critical bits of the Reds, but what do you think of this one? Um, I think of all the sides you're expecting to grind it out, it's not the Waratahs, is it? I mean, geez, how about? I mean, seriously, doing it against the way of uh, against their uh, against their very nature. Um, so uh, you got to also ask the question: Was tackling? I mean, I've only seen the highlights of this. And I'm not checked the stats, but was tackling optional in this game? I mean, we got over seventy points. Jeez, and this was a crazy game. Uh, some looking at the highlights. I mean, some wonderful hands, but I'm guessing there were some absolutely abysmal sections in between where where, where it all just went 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 crazy and messy as people missed all the missed. Those because a lot of those were fifty. Well, well, they weren't even fifty-fifty balls, were they? Uh, but they came off in those situations, and they and it looked fantastic. So I mean, it was great champagne rugby. Um, I guess what Australia needs an, an exciting, entertaining game uh, with some uh, with, with some exciting rugby that people can watch uh, and get behind. So I think, yeah, from that point of view, 
um, a good game. What Australian rugby needed right now, the right kind of tonic. Uh, but uh, yeah, please learn how to tackle. What was? Oh, and I was going to say also Hegarty. Hegarty is yeah. Is he the missing missing fly half that Australia? Oh no, <laughs> no. I mean, I'm no Australian fan by any stretch, but goodness me, no, no, not not because of of my stat man stat at the bottom here. Um, pretty much it says um, terrible goal kicking from the Reds. Now six tries they scored, one conversion. Granted, Foley. Four out of four conversions and four penalty kicks. Um, you're throwing out five conversions, 10 points. Could have been 42-40. Um, and, yeah, Reds with the win. Yep, true. So, uh, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, Higgity was great with uh, ball in hand, but terrible off the tee. Um, yeah, I guess to describe this game, I guess you could say it was kind of like the Blues and the Chiefs, except they could finish some chances because well, it was kind of, all over the shop, but I mean, there was some moments of brilliance, which ultimately, you know, was was a big difference. I mean, Quay Cooper, historically good with ball in hand, terrible off the tee. Perhaps it's perhaps it's something they have in Queensland. It's 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 it's, it's a Reds thing. So yeah, it's just a Reds thing. Swap the jerseys, right? Well, moving swiftly on, going yeah. over to South Africa. Now. Yeah, well, this, this one. What, what do you think is going to happen? Clearly, here? clearly, in a way, win because the Highlanders are flying high. They're going well. The Lions have been all over the shop this season. Tell me how it is, because I went Highlanders here. Yeah, me too. I mean, the Waratahs, <laughs> the Waratahs was my only win, and I was I was fearful that I was getting that wrong as well at some point, especially before they really took it down to the penalties. For goodness' sake, Highlanders! Oh, I'm, 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 I'm four and I'm zero and four so far. Sorry. Um, yeah, here we go. This is my got to be my first win. Tell me, tell me, please. <laughs> I'm one and three. Oh goodness me, the Lions, Lions at home, man. I mean, this is the one that probably the majority uh, got right as well. It was. Uh, the Highlanders took off to a better start. Aaron Smith with a quick tap, once again catching defenders napping, and the Highlanders were crossing out wide before the Lions can even sort themselves out. They even knew what was happening. Tomkinson getting the finish on that one, and uh, they were behind their sticks without even seeing the ball leave anyone's hands. But one man who I'm going to say his name probably multiple times in here, Quagga Smith. Oh, if you, if you didn't see this game... Um, you should check it out. Quagga Smith was simply phenomenal. Uh, big guys standing up. We've seen it in the past from guys like Marks and things like that. But Quagga Smith, man, his, his number could be anything from 6 to 15. The way he played, the way he carved defences up, the pace he showed as well, uh, his timing, his composure, brilliant. And he was pretty much that, that all that stuff together was the culprit for Kutsia to score their, their first try. Yeah, and as um, Bias Rugby was talking about earlier, about Svetlin, one of the few sevens players to transition well to 15s. Mm. Here's another guy who's transitioned very well. Again, showing his sevens class um, very much awake with ball in hand, uh, very much awake to what's happening, uh, as, as, as we said earlier. So, yeah, always a, um, yeah, a wonderful player who's, who's, I say, transitioned very well from sevens and showed his sevens skills in this game. Yeah, he is an extraordinary player. But the Highlanders were the next one uh, to strike. It's a half flew by rather quickly. Tom Franklin walking in, probably the easiest try you'll score in quite some time. All the hard work, though, done down the right-hand side from the first try scorer, Tompkinson, and the Highlanders had regained their lead. But this is what I was talking about earlier. Playing to the whistle, the Lions hit straight back. It was messy. Um, it all fell apart completely. The ball was knocked down. Everyone was going for it. Oh, there should be a penalty. Quagga Smith picks the ball up, and he just runs in and scores a try. And the referee says, oh, well. That'll do. And I think the Highlanders are quite lucky to get away with this without receiving 
possibly a card, but I mean, the referee's been so inconsistent that uh, you don't really know whether they're going to dish out a card for that or not. But uh, regardless, it was the Lions who shot to the break with a 14 point to 12 lead over the Highlanders. And it was that man straight back into the second half, Quagga Smith, the Lions knocking at the door, a penalty close to the line, and the Lions this time learning from Aaron Smith. And as Quagga Smith, that takes a quick tap. And he just dives on over. And that puts him up 21 points to 12, looking ominous for the Highlanders. They changed their way forward, though, and a bit of momentum on their side. And they got the man who was aptly named to play at the Highlanders. Yes, that is Jordan Highland himself, the main man to fly over in the corner. And he brought it back within a chance to bring the Highlanders into the lead again. Aaron Smith was a big spark, as he always is. A, t- a superb turnover. And no defenders short side for the Lions as well. Plays Fattis into some space. And Matt Fattis finally showing the speed we know he has. Seems to be over that little niggly injury he's had recently. And the Highlanders take back the lead. Time wearing down and a long period in the Highlanders 22. It finally breaks down. Reynolds finding a little gap down the left-hand side. Superb hands through the back line and the lead is pushed back out to nine points of the Lions. And then the innocent reply, big charging forwards, but it was the finish from Ioani. Spinning, twirling, twisting and doing everything else. This oh. time, not on the floor, but in the air and in the Lovely tackle one. as well. Amazing one. This is, this is a great try. Great try. Great ability or awareness to bring the game back on again. But the Lions, they finished the best after all. Set piece scrum as the game was closing out. Deonti, explosive out wide, too quick, and the sport from Gozan puts the game away. 38-29, the Lions with the win. But the Highlanders, I think, should be pretty proud of their performance. Yeah, it's a wonderful run by both teams in this one. Another another exciting clash between yeah two two sides willing to go go at it. Another question mark about the about tackling, I think, maybe. Um, we're talking, yeah, nearly 60 points again. Was it oh, more than 60 points? Sorry, nearly, yeah, more than 60 points, nearly 70 points again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's um, the, uh, you've got, you got to say that that was, yeah, just, yeah, no, some some amazing skills, some lovely tries in this one. Um, and again, with, I say, with Quagga Smith showing us why the, uh, why seven skills is, uh, can be transitioned well and can be used really well in, in 15s. He was my difference for me. It was a close game, um, but the, the Quagga Smith factor, that, that was the telling difference between the two sides. He was phenomenal um, and just, just led, led that team. Um, you didn't see too much from the other guys, but to, to have so many of them that can step up uh, made a big, big difference for them. And it was a good game. Open, it was, it was a very good day for, for rugby as well. Good weather. Um, it was dry and foot, you know, all that sort of stuff that you don't expect from winter, I guess. Um, but very good. So it was a great open open game. And Yanchi's and Jan- also showed his um, uh, his skill with ball in hand, taking it to the line, releasing players. Yeah, well, um, good play for him as well. The Lions are a good team. I think, I don't know how they've been so poor this season in patches, but that was a typical Lions performance, I think, from what we've seen the last couple of years. Yep. So I could see them showing a bit more of that yep, um, so in their game. I'm 0-5 so far. <laughs> I've got, surely, I've got, I've got surely Crusaders can't go coming wrong. Up. This is a, got a sure thing. Every game, it's a sure thing. Crusaders are bank every time, right? <laughs> oh, dear. This is a controversial matchup. The Stormers... At home versus the Crusaders. And um, it was a start that surprised many. Five minutes into the game, the Stormers with a set piece and straight off the line out, bang to Khaleesi in the midfield, who just went through a pile of bodies all running in the opposite direction. Steps some poor sliding, slippery tackling attempts at the back from the Crusaders. And the Stormers had the ultimate start against the ultimate opposition. It took the Crusaders quite a bit of time to get into the game. Half an hour before they got their first points. And it was through the line-out. They mauled it. And as we've seen a million times this season, 
they got a try from it. It wasn't a hooker, though, this time. Matt Todd tacking over and getting one for the back row. That got the Crusaders into a bit of a momentum, and they needed it too because the Stormers were at one stage up to 10 points to nil. It was possibly what I'd describe this match of the, uh, this part of the match as the greatest but the ugliest try I've seen in quite some time. Uh, Messi scrum. They got a penalty from it, the Crusaders, and it was fired out to Crotty, who went deep to Moanga, who was standing quite far back. The defence absolutely gunned it at him, and he just, I don't know how to describe it, dropped it pretty much on his toe. And the, the ugliest but the most beautiful kick you'll ever see is it squirts pretty much sideways straight into the arms of awaiting David Harvili, who just runs straight through as everyone just goes, what on earth was that you just did? And um, the Crusaders were back in the game, and they were in the lead. 12 points to 10, the two sides head to the sheds for the Crusaders, somehow leading that one. And typically, straight after halftime break, like the Crusaders do, scoring a typical Crusaders try. Moanga waiting on the pass, really timing himself beautifully to get past that rush defence. It overran itself, and he pops a short one away to Cody Taylor, who runs away. Big support on his outside as well. The pace of Brad and Eno scorching down the sideline, and it was 19 points to 10. It looked like the Crusaders were in with a grin. The Stormers fought back well, though, and they got a couple of penalties to bring it within three points. And that's when the controversy of round 14 really got underway. Two things happened. 74th minute, Severi scores a cracking try down the right-hand side that was disallowed and has copped a lot of criticism as well for the call. The pass from Enor to Reese was it forward or was it not? Tough call. The referees deemed it to be forward. And then in the 79th minute, the Stormers made a bold call of their own, just like the referee, taking three points to tie it all up with time pretty much up. And they don't let it slip by them either as they tied it up at 19 points all. Time over. A draw. Another draw was it a forward pass though so if i mean again this one i've seen the highlights for uh and we had another I mean, the the stormers also threw a long pass that uh looked questionably what was it flat was it back was it forward was it backwards um and it got called so we we saw early on that or we saw earlier in the game that that's how the referee was calling it um and i think he was consistent with it and therefore um, it's uh, therefore I've got no problems with it. And by rugby says even the astronauts on the space station said the pass was, <laughs> was backwards. Um, so to me, uh, I hate this whole thing of um, oh, it was backwards out the hand, but it floated forwards. Rubbish. Um, to me, if it's back, if, if if the ball gets collected in front of where the ball, well, in front of where the player passed the ball, it should be a forward pass. Whatever. If you. All this momentum stuff. We'll just throw it further backwards, so it eventually goes backwards. Then, folks, um, we're just making it. Well, we've overcomplicated the um, the situation, and it should be. I say, in my mind, and okay, it's not what the it's not how the laws are interpreted, uh, and and they're told to officiate it. But for me, if you throw the ball and the guy collects it in front of where you threw it, it's a forward pass. Doesn't matter how fast you're running. Um, so you should throw it backwards. The so yeah, I've got absolutely zero problems with this whatsoever, um, because yes, he was in front of the player, in front of where the player threw it. Now, yeah, I get this whole momentum rubbish, but that's whatever. Um, so the so yeah, I'm got a problem with it at all. What about you? It's uh, well, I, I watched it, I, I frame by frame, even slowed it down to try and catch a glimpse. Yeah, what you're saying, it was definitely forward from where he passed it to where he caught it, but also like you say. That's not technically the laws of the game, is it? So it's, uh, yeah, that, that's where it becomes opinionated and it becomes harder to really gauge 
who was right. Um, at the end of the day, I think it did go backwards out of his hands because the way he passed it, but then it did go forwards to re-catch it. So, I mean, that could have been given fine. No, a try, perfectly fine any other day, and we wouldn't have even been talking about it. Um, the fact that it was marginal, I mean, how many marginal passes do we see every day? That, that yep. Bulls try at Speckman uh, earlier earlier in the, in the round, that was a horribly flat pass. And, I mean, <laughs> if they got called forward, you'd be saying, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, so it's a really hard line uh, to separate because a lot of passes that are forward are missed and, and it's hard to gauge because it becomes like too many rules that it's an opinion on what a ref thinks that situation is. And, and that's where it gets, like you say, overcomplicated and makes it hard. Um, by the letter of the law, I don't think it was forward. By the physics of where he caught it and where he threw it, there was forward. Um, so yeah, take from that as you will. Yeah, I mean, uh, but still, Andre says yeah, frame by frame, it was three meters forwards, but that's not normally officiated like that. You're quite right; exactly. it's not normally officiated yep. like that. Um, but I, I don't have a problem with it, with it being officiated that way. Andre makes another good point. South African teams are getting slated for their approach against the Saders. Every other team trying to match their running game loses. Who's getting it right? Personally, I, I'm quite happy for the Crusaders to lose this one. Giving up that many penalties, like they have, they, they've been they've been getting away. They've been allowed to cheat um, and give away penalties to win them games. So to me, um, I'm uh, I'm happy. Yeah, that I think they uh, if they I think them losing some due to giving away penalties isn't a bad thing for rugby um, because I don't think we should be I don't think we should be seeing the team that gives away the most penalties winning every single game. The difference is, is with, with the Crusaders, isn't it, that they'll give you three. You can have three, but we'll get that territory back the other way and we'll score seven. And, you know, seven's always going to beat three uh, if that's the, the flow of the game back and forwards each way. So, yeah, I mean, it's good for the game. It's good good for everything. Um, I mean, the Stormers, uh, we were talking about this season potentially or most likely being over because likelihood is they'll lose this matchup. Um, a draw. <laughs> I don't know if that really helps them, but I mean, confidence and looking forward, it's, it's got to be good for them. Um, so how many draws is that we've had this season? I'll tell you, too many. Too many. <laughs> and then, then that's, that's the long and short of it. And that is uh, round 14 of Super Rugby uh, here with us. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm over from six. I didn't get any right this weekend. It's, <laughs> so for me, as you say, during your preview, I said this. it looks like that, that oh, Super Rugby is getting a bit more predictable because the previous round, Things actually seemed to settle down, and we weren't just having crazy results. This weekend just threw that totally out the window, and I got nothing right. Um, so there we go. Uh, the I mean, the other thing about this storm is side. I mean, early in the season, we were hearing about all sorts of off the field issues, arguing over to who who set the coaches and all this kind of stuff, and it looked like all that off field distraction was causing them problems. But they looks like they they managed to put that um, to one side uh, and just deal with what's on the pitch and do some. Uh, and, and play some good code. I mean, you've got to take your hats off to them that they have managed to turn that round and ignore their off-the-field issues. And they're well. I mean, just like every other side in the Africa Conference, they're all in. They're all in the running, aren't they? Hey, I'll tell you one thing. South Africa is absolutely stacked in the back row because I mean that their Stormers side is the heart and soul is is Cyclisi, isn't it? In their back row. He, he's phenomenal. That guy is absolutely phenomenal. And it's like we talked about before, Quagga Smith, simply outstanding. Put those two together, my goodness me. You've got an absolutely dynamically explosive, clever, smart, fast, powerful, everything you want in that back row. They're going to be dangerous. They are going and, to be and very dangerous. And Mullen, Whiteley, 
um, yeah, they've, you say they've got some. There's there's some. They've got the individuals to have a really good um, international team. The question is, can they can they put it all? To, can can they put can the jigsaw pieces come together, or do the jigsaw pieces not quite fit with each other? That's been the problem for South Africa, and always will be, um, I think. So so yeah, tough one to pick, isn't it? It is tough one to pick, but we should the um, yeah the rugby championship is already. Um, yeah, looking looking like it could be a, a great laugh. So thank you very much, Stephen. Everyone, um, go check out the Cornflakes Crib uh, YouTube channel um, for uh, and for, for for Stephen's um, uh, what's it, gaming rugby videos, um, as in computer gaming, not as in uh, gambling gaming. Um, and then also his uh, his previews um, that he does every single week. Um, I will be back tomorrow night with the Hash Rugby Chat. Joining me will be Stephen and John O'Connor. Um, Wednesday night, the All Blacks position will have to see because I'm out and, and uh, Arthur's still recovering from his surgery, so I'm not quite sure how we'll handle that one. So we may or may not have an All Blacks position on Wednesday night. Um, but uh, we'll be definitely, Ryan and I will be doing the Super Rugby preview on Thursday. So check back at 8pm for that as well. Don't forget, subscribe up there uh, to the channel. Down there is a link to how you become a supporter of the channel through Patreon where um, I will be where I give my opinion pieces such as why is Super Rugby so close this year um, over there are two videos that the artificial intelligence at YouTube says you'll enjoy so you can always go have a click click on those as well bye oh dear oh dear we